Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, it's good to be, it's good to be with you. Good to be back. Um, I want to quickly introduce, I mean, we've been introducing, but my wife, you know, I, I know I have an accent, and, um, and it's pretty obvious I'm not from around here. <laughs> uh, but so if you don't, you probably don't know, but I come from a small island. It's in the Mediterranean Sea. It's called Malta. Yeah, how many of you heard of Malta before? Oh, wow, it's oh, pretty good, actually. It's pretty good. Ge- good geography. <laughs> so I'm from Malta, and I, I came to the West because I heard of a river that was flowing. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I came to an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened in the late 90s in Pensacola, Florida. And, um, and so that's where I met my wife. My wife is from... Pawtucket, Rhode Island, and uh, she's right here, and my brother-in-law from Pawtucket, he's here. Can you wave so they see you? <laughs> yeah, amen. So we, um, we, we, we visit, of course, the U.S., but uh, we've, we fly back Tuesday from Providence to Iraq. <laughs> so in three days, we'll be back home in Iraq. And, uh, and in, in five days, I will be in, in Syria. We'll be ministering in Damascus, Syria. So just a few days this week, there's a lot coming up. And, uh, but we are, so this is officially our last church service before we fly back home to Iraq. So I'm honored to be with you. And I, I believe uh, you will be stirred as you hear some more testimonies. And, um, and you know, I... I, I, I I'll share some testimonies and then a few words of what God's stirring in my heart. And it's, I believe it really will continue what, even what just started happening here this morning as far as the river flowing and uh, the purpose of the river and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, uh, and, and even something that Pastor Sean was sharing about, you know, uh, God, He has big dreams. He has for us, you know, but of course, He also looks for our response and, uh, and how much we get, uh, you know, hungry and how much we desire. You know, God is not, uh, of course, we intercede and we pray and we persevere. But we need to also be aware that God is, we're not the ones twisting, you know, God's arm to convince him to do something. He's not really convinced. It's only a matter he's convincing us of how much more he wants to move and, and, and transform our lives and do a, a, a use us really to the full, pour a spirit in our midst, in our lives, in our homes, in our families. Amen? He's more than anything convincing us. And he looks for hunger and he looks for deep desire. And, and, uh, and that's why uh, even... My wife, uh, she was, of course, brought up in Pawtucket, as I mentioned to you, and um, excuse me, I'm just switching my, um, okay, all right. So she was, she brought up in a, she was eventually going to a spiritual church in there in, Pawtuc- in Rhode Island, somewhere in Pawtucket, I think, right? Somewhere around there. Yeah, it's, it's pretty small area. <laughs> So she heard of this outpouring, this revival that was happening in Pensacola. And, uh, and, you know, she had a pretty successful job and doing really well. 
And, uh, but she, they visited, the church visited of this outpouring that happened there and, and, and God transformed her life and, and you know, the fire came and eventually she met this guy with this accent <laughs> and uh, she knew that, you know, she's marrying a, a fairly radical guy but she didn't realize that this radical guy eventually is going to make steps to move the family to Iraq. Iraq. But again, when we say yes to Jesus, you know, and when we mean it, and when we, our eyes open and realize we have one life to live in this world, and we want to do our, you know, we want to live to do His will, and, and when we really mean it, heaven starts responding, you know, and God starts moving and and he's the one that told us, his followers, told his disciples at that time to pray for laborers because the harvest is plentiful. And, uh, and, and so when we, you know, we allow God to move in our hearts to for full surrender and saying, my life is not mine, it's yours. You know, God has a lot of work to be done. And, you know, and he wants to come back. You know, generation after generation, the churches have been praying Maranatha for Jesus to come back. But we know, uh, know, as we see in the scriptures, that the great commission has to be fulfilled. Amen? It has to be fulfilled. That's what it says in Matthew 24. You know, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Amen? And that's why we, as a, as a, as a pe- God's people, will need to be, you know, actively involved in seeing that being fulfilled come to pass. And so, again, it was a journey eventually in, in Iraq, and... Um, and I tell you, um, we've been there 10 and a half years. Yeah, our kids were 17 and 15, excuse me, we're 7 and 5 years old, they're 17 and 15 now. And, uh, and we've seen a lot of bad stuff happening, a lot of difficulties, a lot of opposition, but also, brothers and sisters, I'm standing here before and I'm telling you there is a, a great harvest of Muslims coming to Jesus. Amen. One of our, you know, truly our, one of the greatest needs is making disciples. Go figure that out. You know, because so many Muslims are getting saved. And I guarantee you, I know most of you may not know me, but I will not exaggerate. And I'm telling you, every year we're seeing more and more Muslims turning to Jesus. Uh, We have people, former Muslims in our community uh, that were some of them were very radical Muslims, uh, very religious, passionate to debate, debate Christians to defend Islam. Others just you know addicted to drugs, alcohol, same sex marriage, uh, same sex attraction, all kinds of background. And these are people now that have been baptized and are part of our church. They're uh, leading prayer meetings, and I tell you, uh, Amen, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Islam is being shaken. Yeah. And, uh, and I tell you not only this, Islam is collapsing. Now, yes, there's a lot of Muslim, I mean, is, people, Muslim, immigration happening. And we're seeing communities of Muslims growing and increasing. And that is true. I'm not going to get into my 
opinions about that stuff, but I will say this. It was not intended for Muslims to be reached just when, I, when they come to the West. Now, should the church take the opportunity to reach them? 100%. 100%. But I believe the intention of the church is to go to people where they are. But you know what, Brother Andrew, you may not know him, but he's from the Netherlands. He's Dutch. Uh, and uh, and started a ministry. It's called Open Doors. Some of you may know about that. And he was they, he was known as God's smuggler. He would smuggle Bibles uh, to the Iron Curtain in, in the communist communist country many years ago. And that ministry shifted a focus to Muslim countries. And he made this statement. And he said the reason Islam is moving to the West is because we refused to go to them then you have to deal with the baggage that comes. So anyways, you can take that, whatever, that, how that ministers to you. But I know, uh, look, for the most part, the church, because, okay, I, I'm going to share testimonies, but please forgive me. I know you may get angry, but in two days I'm going to leave, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but I can't help it. If I open my mouth, I, I'm going to challenge you, okay. And, uh, I'm, and, uh, but it's okay. It's, we all need to be challenged. Amen. Okay, and so, uh, but but I I I do understand. I, I I I when it comes to, you know, there there's there's a dying that takes place to comfort and to things that we are attached to, and I know that. Okay, we we live that way. It's it's real, but again, the great commission must be fulfilled. Amen. So. Islam, yes, so even though Muslims immigrating and they have an agenda, believe me, I know that well, okay? There is an agenda, meaning from the enemy and even Islamic leaders, they want to spread Islam. They're very missional, okay? They want to get into politics. I think it's pretty obvious now. And, uh, and, and they want to dominate. That is all true. But we don't think, we as a church, we don't want to think politically, we want to think kingdom people, okay? Kingdom mindset. We're here to, we're gospel people. And we're here to see the kingdom of God, kingdom of God advance through the good news of Jesus. And I have to constantly allow, not allow myself, again, to be influenced and affected by, you know, how the effect that Islam has on people around us. And that's why, again, we, we want to be people of prayer and worship so we get constantly influenced by God, by God's heart and His fire to keep burning and then influence others around us and not the other way around. And so, yeah, Islam is, is, is being shaken. And you know, God's Word says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Everything. And I know uh, that's not easy when everything around us is being shaken. And, uh, but it's actually a good thing because we get to rely on God even more. Even more miraculous things happen when things around us are being shaken. We get to know God more. People start turning and coming to God's people, the church, more for answers and answers when everything around us is being shaken. Now, Islam is a lie, so therefore it is being shaken. And there is a wave of atheism that's sweeping through Muslim countries. And, uh, but in my 
experience working with Muslims, when Muslim says, I became an atheist, for the most part, they're simply blocking the God of Islam that they have grown up knowing, the nature of the God that they've known. So that's why it's not only a wave of atheism, there's a wave of conversions to Christianity. You may not realize this, but in these last 30 years or so, more Muslims have come to Jesus than the rest of the existence of Islam. I tell you, the largest, the, the, the fastest growing church per capita is in Iran, Iran. It's the fastest growing church which is happening right next door to Iraq in Iran. And it has been happening for many years. Do you know that this is a report I read just over two months ago. And I know this to be true because we have Iranians in our community. One of our prayer meetings at our house of prayer is people from Iran and we've worked with them. And, uh, and the article said this, that 50,000 mosques out of 75,000 mosques in Iran have closed down. That's two-thirds of the mosques in Iran have closed down. People are, again, more and more Islam is being shaken, I'm telling you. And that is why we as a church, we are wherever we are, but of course we're in Iran, we are to be a bold witness. That's why, and now my goal, my, my, I don't attack Islam, I don't need to attack it. it Islam speaks for itself. <laughs> it has enough bad fruit speaking for itself. I don't need to bring it up. But my, our part is to preach Jesus, and I'm telling you, that's why even in Iraq, we preach boldly. Out on the streets, we've seen it, we saw in the video. And we, I tell you, it's amazing how much we get away with in Iraq. Now, is there opposition? Do people get angry? Do people get upset? Of course. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I, I'm, I don't expect to be a witness for Jesus, and I don't expect everyone to like me, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so it comes, Jesus said, you will be, Jesus said, you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Yes, Jesus said, you will be rejected. Jesus said, houses be divided when you make decisions to follow me, you know. So, again, we are not, ex we are a bold witness and, and, and knowing, yes, people will be angry. People will be upset. Things can go wrong, meaning, you know, persecution. And it's actually, for those that are coming out of Islam, is a very normal thing. There is persecution is expected. And that's why they count the cost. But I tell you, brothers and sisters, they count the cost because they know once they confess, once their family finds out, meaning once they tell their family, all hell will break loose. They know that. And that is why we emphasize as a community, as a church, for them, you know, first love with Jesus. That's why we emphasize being a house of prayer. That's why we emphasize being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's why we emphasize, and I'm going to talk about that in just a few minutes. We must continually be filled with the Spirit. Amen. And that's why these people that are coming out of Islam, that's what's given them the boldness. That's what's given them the courage. Yes. The same Holy Spirit that's here 
is in is around the world and it produces the same fruit around the world. Amen. I tell you one reason why we're even more bold, okay, as a witness, and this gives you really an idea of what the harvest is plentiful, is ripe. Just a few months ago, I was in a meeting uh, in our city with some other pastors, and, uh, and one of the pastors said this, Iraqi pastor, local, and he said two different Muslims came to the church building few days apart, <clears throat> and they did not know one another, okay? So two different Muslims, not knowing one another, they came just a few days apart, came, showed up to the church building, and they just so happened to say the exact same thing. You know what they said? They said, you have such a great book. You have such a great message. Why are you hiding this message? And the pastor said, well, we responded and we said, we've been afraid. I think Jesus said somewhere in the Gospels, do not fear, <laughs> right? I think somewhere in the Bible it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. When we fear, people die. When we fear and stay silent, people suffer, people die, people go to hell. When we fear and when we save our own life. But when we do not preserve our life and open our mouth and are a witness when we actually love people more than our own self, then people are changed. Then people are saved. Then people are transformed. And Jesus gets glory. Amen. On a recent, just on a recent trip, and, and you know what we used to do here, meaning in the States, we do in Iraq. We take a guitar. I mean, what you do, not what I, what I used to do when I lived here, we take a guitar and we go and worship on the streets. We're doing this in Baghdad. And we're worshiping and a crowd starts to gather. <laughs> and what do we do? We raise our voice and start preaching the good news of Jesus. The team starts to go up to talk to different people. Any words of knowledge? Looking for the sick? Yeah? And uh, just like you do, we do here, you do here. And we're doing it in Baghdad. And you know what? We were there three days, this particular trip, right in the beginning of June. And because for three days, we would go back to the same street. I mean, Baghdad, it's 8 million city with the surrounding area. It's 10 million people. Okay, Baghdad, it's, it's a very populated city. And so we picked one street, one section where they sell books. And we, because we were there three days, meaning go back, at least five different Muslims would come up to us the second day and the third day, and they say, your team prayed for me yesterday. Your team prayed for me two days ago. When I got home, I realized that the pain was gone. Jesus healed me. Amen. That's because we kept going back three days, and we get to hear these stories. We got on a little minivan like what you have outside. And we, go, we went further an hour and a half south to a city that was our first time in person. Now we reach Muslims using the internet as well. On the streets, one-on-one, -on -one, the internet, many ways, okay? We, the, the, we throw the net of the in, through the internet as well. And many Muslims are 
connecting with us from different cities. And it's amazing. I, I, it's just amazing. There's Muslims, many, are getting saved from different cities and villages before we even get there. Yeah. And so we finally got to the city. Yeah, it's, it's further south of Baghdad. And, uh, and I, we met with a, with a man, and uh, he is an imam. Imam is a religious scholar, okay, Islamic. He teaches Islam in a school, what for us would be like a Bible school. But obviously, it's a Muslim school. And there, there is different imams, different Islamic scholars. So he said this to me. He said, of course, he's not an imam anymore. He's a believer in Jesus. And he's reading through the Bible right now. And he says, I was teaching Islam to students, and I was not convinced of it myself. He said, Islam is like a big dress, a dress with a very big hole, and it's not fixable. And he said, uh, I mean, many other bad things, what goes on that I cannot even share in public. He told the other imams, he told them, you've turned this place into a house of prostitutes. It's dark, brothers and sisters. And now, yeah, he is a man of peace in that city. He's a man of peace. And uh, when we met with him in a humble home, I, uh, he told his sons to listen to us. And he said, he told them, don't ask questions, just listen to them. <laughs> he was an imam. Another young man, you ready for this? Let me keep track of my time. Another young man uh, was a very... Uh, religious, okay, very passionate. His father was memorizing the uh, Quran at the age of six. Very Islamic home, like a lot. So this young man, his passion was to debate Christians, like defend Islam. He knew the Quran like he can quote it, all right? And, uh, and the teacher that was, yeah, teaching him how debating, he would give them parts of our original scrolls of the scriptures, basically, to memorize so that he can debate Christians. This stuff is going on, okay? And, uh, and, but this young man continued to read more than what was given to him. All right. So, the more he realized, of course, the Quran, he said this, he said, it doesn't have a solid foundation, it contradicts. The more he read the Bible, he started to see it has a solid foundation. Things match. Prophecies fulfilled. I mean, it, it's this, the word of God. It's, but then he says, I did not give Jesus my heart when I was convinced that Islam is a lie and Christianity is true. He says, I gave Jesus my heart when Jesus revealed himself to me, when he came to me and he told me to follow him. Amen. Amen. And now he tells me this. He tells me the church needs to do more than praying. We need to defend our faith. <laughs> Another one quick testimony. Uh, this one, he was not religious. He's a young man. And, um, and when he connected on the internet, he showed up. Uh, we meet them in coffee shops in Baghdad. Okay, so Baghdad, Iraq is not all desert. <laughs> they have nice coffee shops too. <laughs> so we meet with them in these coffee shops, at the, the, the seekers, you know, as they connect on the internet before we bring them into the other groups. And so as soon as I saw him, I noticed he looked like a girl. His arms were filled with scars. I mean, it was covered with scars from cutting himself. 
And he was, you know, I mean, pain, rejection. His father would send him to the police a few times to the police station to beat him up, to beat the homosexuality stuff out of him. So we can imagine the, the, the pain this young man later found out he was very suicidal. In fact, he was determined, he said, he was going to kill himself that day that we met him if nothing's changed after our meeting with him. We did not know that at that time. So I shared the gospel with him. He agreed with everything. I thought, okay, you agree with everything. <laughs> and so I turned to the translator. I told him, we need to be a little bit more specific. And so I told him to open and read Romans chapter 1. And if you don't know that, it does talk about where men would give up their natural use and, you know, lust after each other. Homosexuality. Things, this is the Word of God. I told him to read it, and, uh, and then he read it, and I said, what do you think? He said, it's the Word of God. I told him, so you can see that homosexuality is, uh, is, 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 is not right. And he said, you know, I read a lot about it on the internet. And he says, I read that uh, there's, you know, men that are born with more female hormones. I told him, no. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's no. I said, uh, I said, I said, there are things happen in life. There's people get rejected. People get, men get abused, sexually abused. And different things start to happen, but still lust in the heart. It's still sin. And then I told him, what do you think about it now? He told me, I believe it. This is the word of God. It was that easy. Of course, he experienced love in our hearts. It was in a place of love and caring for him, but we speak in the truth with love. And, uh, and he opened up, and yeah, he doesn't look like a girl anymore. He has this big beard and all that. You know, everything, his hairstyle changed, everything's changed. He's been baptized. And, uh, and, and uh, about two weeks ago, he led the first prayer meeting at our house of prayer. Amen. <laughs> Amen. When we are on the streets in Baghdad, he was with us, preaching out in the open with us. And then he got on a taxi and went to his family, yeah, about an hour away. And he told his dad that was sending him, you know, to the police, he told his family, I'm a new man. He told them, I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus now. And then his father told him, well, they're going to catch you and they're going to kill you. And then this young man responded and he said, I'm ready. And then he said this. He says, I was already dead before. He says, now God's given me another chance to live. And every day, I mean, it's another opportunity to live for Jesus. He's a brand new person. And I, these are just some of many testimonies, brothers and sisters, of, again, what is happening where people thought a country that God has completely rejected. <laughs> and actually, not only he hasn't rejected, there's such a harvest, and there's, I don't have the time to get into these testimonies, but... There is a very normal thing that is happening when Muslims come to Jesus. They love Israel. They love the Jewish people. And, uh, and even, uh, I know in the, earlier this year, there were three weeks of fasting for Israel. We did that in Iraq. 
All our prayer meetings were praying for the salvation of the Jews, for the salvation of Israel, and many Iraqis and Syrians coming up on the microphone and praying for the Jewish people. This is happening. There's so much more. Amen. And another thing is I mentioned the video because of my last visit here, the, the encounter weekends, encounter retreats came up. And I thought, wow, we need to do something like this. And, uh, and I went back to Iraq and we followed up with it. And we, we talked with the team and we started doing these encounter retreats in Iraq. And uh, <laughs> amen. And so they're coming from these different cities uh, as they get saved. And we host them for about two, three days, two and a half days. And yes, they put the phones away and, uh, and, and you know, and, and they come and we have a cross and, uh, and we explain the cross, what happened. We show them a part of the passion in Arabic, you know, the movie. And, uh, and they, so they get to see what happened at the cross that we tell them, your sin, my sin did this. You know, and, and, uh, and then we go through a, a session on repentance, list of sins in detail, you know, what, you know, what sin is, because this is what nailed him to the cross. And we give him this big nail, and they come and they hammer the, the nail on that cross and crying because, you know, they realize, I did this for, he did this for me. Amen. And I, I'm telling you, amen, that's good news. And, uh, and then we do, towards the end of the encounter, we, do the, we minister on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they start getting filled with the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. Yeah, with speaking in other tongues. I want to read just a, a couple uh, of testimonies in the last one we had at the beginning of the summer. Uh, this one young lady, I know, time, I'm almost, I'm going to, I'm going to speak even faster. No, I'm kidding. <clears throat> and uh, so one young woman, she, they were newly married, uh, and uh, it was her first time even in a meeting with other believers like this, okay, like uh, uh, others. First time. So, and the first time was in an encounter weekend like, like, like we had. And she said, she said, when a hand was laid on me, I felt like going, like, I felt like fire going through me. I wish you never took your head off my head. <laughs> Another one said, I am ashamed that I was afraid to share my faith, but now I am not afraid. I want people to know how God touched my heart. Another person, I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues. Another Syrian woman, uh, wife and mother, she said, once I started coming to the house of prayer, I started to realize how valuable I am in the Lord's eyes. During the time of prayer, you were praying and inviting the Holy Spirit to touch us. I was calling on Him with you, and I asked Him to change my life. My eyes were closed. I was crying, but suddenly I saw a wide, white void, uh, excuse me, she said, suddenly I saw a wide white door open up for me. And she says, my, I touched my heart, very powerful. Another one said, many relatives told me, you are crazy because you will lose your life because of your new religion. My daughter begged me to not destroy her life and new marriage because of me following Jesus. My son prevented me from attending this retreat. Regardless of these horrible difficulties, circumstances, I told them, this is my life. Jesus redeemed me from darkness and fear. He gives me eternal joy and he has rescued me and I am no longer a slave of sin. 
I'm going to read some other quotes quickly <laughs> from Muslims, again, that are seeking, connecting on the internet. Um, she's this one, uh, she said uh, she's 17 years old. She says, I'm a Muslim, but I love Jesus, and I dreamed that I am visiting a church. There was a man inside of the church, <clears throat> and he invited me in. I entered and started to eat and sit with this man. I think this man was Jesus. He received me in his big house. I really want to visit a church. Please send me the Bible and I will read it. Most of these, many actually, of these young ladies that are getting saved, that what they're saying, they haven't even met with another believer in person. They live in a place, there is no church. And of course, they have internet, they see church meetings. And they say, many of them, their dream is to visit a church one day. So, brothers and sisters, I encourage you to not take for granted the, that, that, that there is a community like this where people care for one another, can pray for you, stand with you, teach you, equip you, send you out. I tell you, there's many people around the world that they dream they can have this opportunity. And even if you're watching on the internet, you know, watching online, I mean, if you have a reason, a real reason to watch church from home, you may have a real reason and God uses this and it's a blessing to have this opportunity. But I sure hope that you're not watching the internet from home because it's more comfortable and more convenient. Brothers and sisters, we are a family, <laughs> amen. We are a family that consists of relationship. So let's not take for granted what God has given us and what he's doing in your midst, amen. Jump in with all of your heart. Amen, another one here. She says, I like to follow Jesus, not for personal benefits. I want to follow him because he is the way, the truth, and the life. I am a new believer, and I need to hear <clears throat> about Jesus' character. Jesus the Father, Jesus the Son of God, and Jesus the Holy Spirit. She's ready for discipleship. <laughs> it's safe to say that. Another young woman <clears throat> I started to read the Bible. My eyes opened, but my parents are persecuting me. Jesus said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. I found out I am different from my parents, and I am sad that they will perish if they insist in their beliefs. I, I used to steal from my friends in the past, but I repented. Jesus told me, you are different, not like other girls. <clears throat> she said, can I read the Bible if I'm not a Christian and if I'm not baptized yet? I believe Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. When my parents discovered that I believe in Jesus, they took me to the sheikh at the mosque. It's a very normal thing that happened when they tell their parents or their family, they take them to the mosque to try to do deliverance to get rid of the Christian spirit. Obviously, it doesn't work. So. And I know it's funny, but brothers and sisters, the way they try to do deliverance, they beat them, okay? These are, this is not easy. I don't have the time to tell you what they go through. I used to, okay, she says, my parents discovered, okay? She said, my parents hate me and complain against me. I'm living in isolation and no one wants to talk to me. I will never give up and I will follow Jesus till my last breath. Amen. Amen. 
It's just not to advertise our newsletter, okay? But I'm going to move on and share a few words with you. But if you want to receive our newsletter and stay connected with us that way, there's many testimonies and videos uh, that I, we share so we can find us at the end and I can tell you how to do that. I'm going to read just, uh, let me see, a couple more. Yep. Jesus said, I told, this is another young woman. Jesus, no, she said, she said, I told my mom about my conversion and she cried and did not accept it. Jesus took me, Jesus, I keep wanting to say Jesus for some reason. (laughs) She said, her mom, she took me to the mosque, same thing, to try to release me from the Christian spirit. Unfortunately, Islam blinded my mom's eyes from seeing the truth. I will not be able to live as a normal person as long as Muhammad's rules are applied on me. The first thing that encouraged me to leave Islam was the distorted picture of women in the Quran. It's contrary to the Bible, which is written, God created man in his own image, male and female. God gives us a mind and dignity, and Islam does not want women to possess dignity and full mind. God's word says, therefore, if any man is in, anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. She said, when I believed in Jesus, I deleted all Islam rules and instructions that I was following in my past. Amen. Last one. 20 years old, young woman from Baghdad. She said, all my friends know that I am a Christian. They keep telling me you are different. You don't lie. You don't cheat. You're not like us. You're a Christian. I am astonished how they know that I am following Jesus. I was spiteful, she said, but I became a new person. I am more merciful towards my friends. I'm always happy. Do you hear this? And now they're, they're being persecuted. She says, I'm always happy. She says, I find my happiness and comfort with Jesus. I have eternal joy, not temporary joy like when I go to a party or something. I know and I have to trust in Jesus every day. I have confidence. He has a great plan for me. My mom had a dream of Jesus. That's a plus. My real life, she said this, my real life started when I accepted Jesus as Savior of my life. I consider I was not living before I came to know Jesus. Since I accepted, everything's changed in my life. I became anew, and I'm sharing every single detail of my life with Jesus. Brothers and sisters, this is New Testament Christianity. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, a lot of people thought that we were crazy when we are going to Iraq. But sadly, that's because they don't relate to the Great Commission. Now, it's not so crazy when you hear stories like that. But brothers and sisters, as you, you know, every single one is important as much as you're important and I'm important. To God, they are valuable. Everyone is. And I, when we come to Jesus, I'm just, I promise I'm going to keep things briefly. When we come to Jesus, a divine exchange takes place. I know you hear the word. I know you people of the word. You may be visiting. You may be watching. But I will make, make something that's so basic and yet is so, of, is so clear and so important. 
When we come to Jesus, a divine exchange happens. We give Jesus, Jesus gave his life for us to save us out of darkness and to give us a new life. In exchange, we give him our life. We give him our life, he gives us his life. Now we inherit Jesus' life. But it's not only the blessings of salvation and healing and freedom from bondage. That's one part of it. Another thing that we inherit in this divine exchange, we inherit His heart. (laughs) We inherit His will. We inherit His purpose. We inherit His plan. We inherit His kingdom. We inherit the responsibility of the gospel in this life. Now that is an exchange that happens now. We've inherited His plan, amen, and His mission. It's not just, we don't just come to Jesus for only what we're going to benefit out of it. In fact, when we really come to Jesus and give Him our hearts, we realize that it's not about us anymore. It is not about us anymore. And we're, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul is writing, he says, For the love of Christ com- controls us because we have concluded this, that the one who died... That, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died, listen, he died for all, that those who live will no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake has died and was raised. Now we no longer live for ourselves. We live for him A divine exchange happened. I know I may get passionate about this, but brothers and sisters, I speak this truth because I love you, because God loves you, because there's rewards waiting for us in heaven. He's preparing a place for you. And that's why Paul is writing, he says, the temporary sufferings that we go through in this life cannot even be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. We don't live for this temporary world. We're here just passing by. We don't live for the things that are temporary. We are a different breed of people that's living in this world. We are the people of God. In 1 Peter it says too, it says, but you are a chosen race. We're a different race. What race? We are God's chosen race. We are a different race, meaning we are the people of God. And if we are a different race, therefore, the way we live is different. Our priorities is different. How we make decisions is different. (laughs) How we use our money is different. What we listen to, what we watch, what we allow to influence our mind is different. We are God's chosen race. We are a different breed of people. That's why Jesus says you're a city on a hill. 
You cannot hide it. The darkness will never overcome the light. So let your light shine. And that is the purpose of the river. That is the purpose of the river that's flowing from the throne of heaven. When it came, when that river came on the early church and tongues of fire came on their head, it came for a purpose. It came for a purpose. So they will not live for themselves. The purpose was so they overcome the obstacles in this life. Amen. The purpose of the river was to give them boldness that they didn't have. I continually, I know you may see, you know, these testimonies and you hear, you know, on the streets in Iraq and preaching in a mosque and things like this. But brothers and sisters, we're normal people. We have weakness like everybody else. We have families, children we're raising. We have, I mean, we're normal people, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and I continually turn to God and ask Him, give me boldness at our house of prayer. Yes, we're, we, I mean, we're pretty bold, but we continually ask, give us boldness. Give us boldness. Why? Because I don't ever want to rely on myself. I don't ever want to have confidence in myself. And that's what boldness is, is having confidence in God and not in ourselves. And the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. Amen. We're a royal priesthood and a holy nation, royal priests. Uh, so much we can say. Yeah, so much we can say. We're priests unto God and to people as well. Amen. And the more worship there is, the more we fulfill our royal priests, the more the great commission gets fulfilled. Hallelujah. I think it's my clue. I'm almost, I'm going to quit. Oh, yeah. Just a few words. <laughs> I know you've been patient. The purpose, I, again, I'm not sharing something very deep, but simple truths that if we truly believe the words of Jesus and act on them, there's no limit to how much our lives change and the communities change. I went to bed with this last night to tell you. I was thinking, I may never have this opportunity again. I don't know what's going to happen. We're not promised tomorrow. To listen to the words and to read the words in red. The words of Jesus. The whole Bible is the word of God. But pay close attention. So if you have a Bible that the words of Jesus are in red, play, pay close attention to those words. The more you believe it, the more we believe the words of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, uh, our lives will shine so brightly. The purpose of the Holy Spirit of the tongues of fire, the purpose of the infilling. One reason is so that we, brothers and sisters, so we stay filled with God's love. 
Many times I feel it's underestimated. Is that the right way? The love of God. How important, how powerful God's love is. It's amazing when we have love, we'll do anything. We'll do anything for those whom we love. And I tell you, Jesus emphasized a lot of love to the point that he says, the greatest commandment to love God, to love him with everything, love others. I want to encourage you, yes, to jump in, meaning the Holy Spirit, to hunger, brothers and sisters, hunger for more of the Holy Spirit. Never settle for anything less than the more that God has for you. Because one thing, the more you encounter the fire and the more you get filled, the more love will come in your heart. The love of God is poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The more you experience how much God loves you, the more happy you are, the more peaceful, the more joyful, because the more you know and you're experiencing how much He loves you personally, you won't look for love in other places. You won't look for other people's attention because there is a place in that being in love with Him that you know He's watching you and He's with you and He's for you. Amen. Love. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love others, one another, as I have loved you. A new commandment, he's talking about the kind of the agape love. He's talking about the kind of love that he loves. And that's why he goes on to say, there's no greater love than to lay your life down for another. We, that's why we want more. Amen, Stephanie? That's why there's got to be more. That's why we want more. So that we will have this divine love that we will be selfless, that we will look to others more important than us, that we won't live again for, won't live again for ourselves. I'm going to rush. We need to also, you need to be continually filled more. There's more to overcome sin, temptation, and the flesh. We either kill sin or sin will kill us, you know. God's word says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Yeah. Brothers and sisters, even before we finish, if there are some things, you know, God may be dealing with you, don't hide sin. The more you bring it to the light, the more freedom you will experience. That is why, and it doesn't matter if you're a teenager or in your 90s or 100s. As long as we are in the physical body, there is temptation and there is sin in this world. And we must have the power of His Spirit to put the death the deeds of the flesh. God gives us that power to overcome it. And the reason is also for the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, so we live to do the will of God. Amen? 
We must know what is God's will for our lives. Jesus said in his most difficult time in his life, at the Mount of Olives when he was praying, you know, remember he says, if, you, if it may be, Lord, let this cup, Father, pass from me. But he says, nonetheless, he says, not my will, but your will be done in me. When he was looking at the cross, when he's looking at the suffering, the, the scourging that he's about to go through to become actually sin, to be separated from his father, when he was facing the most difficult time in his life, he says, not my will, but your will be done in me. That should be everyone's prayer in our lives. I don't want to live to do my will. Find out that's why we must hunger for more and be filled. And the river. So that we will find out more. What is his will? Paul said, I pray that you would increase one of Paul's prayers for the churches, that you will grow and increase in knowing God's will. Amen. Let's stand together. I must conclude. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We want to, I know there's, time is clocking, but we will give an opportunity. I feel you should respond. I feel there's people that uh, you should respond to this call. I know even in the, some words I've shared with you, I know, God, this is how God works. He speaks different things to different people. But brothers and sisters, uh, I mean, the time is so short. And whenever God speaks, we want to act on it. That's love. We want to act quickly. <laughs> Amen. Whenever invitation is given, whenever God speaks, whenever God convicts, we want to act quickly because we are not convinced, we're not guaranteed that we may experience that again. Amen. And we pray, whatever, you know, if it's things that you need to repent of, if it's things you need to surrender, and even I pray, I believe even some of you may be here. And you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And we can pray for you also. I share this one thing and then I'm handing the mic over. You know, one of the normal testimonies that's happening in a Muslim country in Algeria. The government has written laws to not shake the faith of a Muslim. Meaning, you can't evangelize, you can't give him a Bible. But the church is growing fast. And they're fearless, brothers and sisters. When a police showed up in one of the church meetings, a group of young people that were meeting, they told the, the police told them this: "We're going to come back, and if you're going to, if you, if we find you meeting again, we're going to put you in prison." You know what the young people responded to the police? They told the police, "Well, you need to build a lot of prisons because there's many of us." That's New Testament. That's New Testament Christianity. Because they're not living for themselves. 
They're living for the will of God. They're not saving their life. They're losing their life for the gospel. And that is why the gospel is spreading and the church is growing. They're broadcasting their church meetings on satellite channels for the Muslim world to see that Muslims come into Jesus. They're not saving their life. If we were to be in prison, so be it, brothers and sisters. But the gospel will never be stopped. Listen, governments can put rules and restrictions. That may happen, but I tell you, the church will never be stopped when we're willing to lose our life for His sake. Paul told Timothy, while he's in prison, he told them, the Word of God cannot be chained. In other words, he's telling him, I may be in chains, but you cannot chain the Word of God. And this is one of the testimonies in Algeria. Many are illiterate. They can't read. They don't know how to read. And they pray and they ask God to help them so they can start reading the Bible. You know how God answers them? God fills them with the Holy Spirit. They start speaking in other tongues. And then they can read and understand the Bible. Hallelujah. So if you think tongues have expired, go tell those believers in a Muslim country like Algeria, they couldn't understand or even read the Bible. And after they got filled and speaking in tongues, they can. So let's get over what people think about us. Let's get over about when people get offended if we speak in other tongues. Come on, let's let the light shine. Let's rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. All the answers are found in God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.